It's good to be a, a Christian in this hour for sure. If we will, let's just turn our attention to the Lord. Father, we just bow our heads to you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings to us. Lord, as we could all tonight would take the time and opportunity given to us, Lord, we can just tell of the many benefits and the many blessings that you have passed on to us, Lord, in our way. Times that you have kept us from harm and danger, Lord. Times that you've looked over us. And, Lord, there's times that we're not even aware of, but yet you've been there the whole time. Lord, you have led us in paths of righteousness, Father. You have led us along life's journey. And, Father, many times we're not even coherent to the plan of God. But, Lord, we're so thankful that you're mindful of us tonight. We're thankful, Lord, that we're your children. And where your children are, Lord, you're there to impart the blessings of life. So, Father, we just come and we humble ourselves tonight. And we just ask that you would just freely speak words to your people, Father. I ask you to give us ears that can hear, give us mouth that will speak. But more importantly, Father, tonight, give us a heart that can receive. So, Lord, we just commit this service to you tonight, Father. We love you, Lord, and we're so thankful. God, we're so thankful that we are saved and we're your children. You have called us, you have chosen us, and you've anointed us for this opportunity and for this time. For we ask it in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to look here in the book of Nehemiah. You love the Lord this evening? Amen. Amen. It's good to be here. Nehemiah, we're going to look here in verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 7. Chapter 4 and verse 7. Glad to see that the rain and the storm didn't keep you guys away tonight. I was concerned about that when I pulled up at 5 o'clock. It was pouring down a monsoon. But we're glad we're here. So you know what? You made the effort to be here, right? So let's have church. Let's allow the Lord to speak to us. We find here in Nehemiah 4 and verse 7, But it came to pass that Sinbalat and Tobiah, the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. You know what? I believe that the devils of hell realized this past weekend that some breaches got stopped up. That somebody ruined the devil's plans over the weekend. So he had plans for your life. He had plans for your future. But God has other plans. So God came down and destroyed the devil's plans that he had for you. We find here in, 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 in verse 8, they all conspired of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. Come on, church, and a set watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burden is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we're not able to build the wall. And our, ad- our adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. Notice the devil, he always tries to slip in unaware unannounced when you least expect it that's why we always have to be on guard we never let our guard down and to to recognize the devil in every one of his schemes so we find here it says verse 12 and it came to pass that when the jews which dwelt by them came they said unto us 10 times they reiterated the enemy's plans to them 10 times they wanted them to know that they know that the devil is against you all right they done it ten times for all the places whence you shall return unto us they will be upon you therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the high places even or I even set the people after their families 
with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Notice you wasn't unarmed, but God prepared you. He's given you a weapon. It's up to you to use that weapon. It's up to you to, to take that weapon with you. And I looked and I rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be, ne- be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren. If there's ever been a time for us to fight for our brethren, it's now. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Come on, moms and dads. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your houses. Has there ever been a time for us to fight? It's now. So I hope you come tonight to fight. I hope you come tonight with your sword or whatever you got. You come to use it tonight and not to sit idle. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both spears and shields and bows and harbogans or however you say that word, I'm sorry. Uh, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which built it on the wall, and they would bear burdens with all those that were laden or laded, everyone with his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand he held a weapon. You can be seated this evening. I just want to speak to you once again on God does impossible math. This will be part six, but I want to give it a subtitle tonight from that time. And we find here that Nehemiah had a great burden to rebuild the wall so that his people could worship God again and offer sacrifices. But it's just as any of us, when you try to do God a service, the devil is always there to disrupt the plan of God. So he comes in and he, and, and he's, he, you know, the, we know how the devil does. He calls, calls disruption. But Nehemiah went down to the city. He surveyed the walls. He didn't tell anybody what he was doing. And we find he gathers the people again the next day in Nehemiah 2 and verse 18. And he begins to tell them the revelation that he has or the desire that he has to rebuild the wall so that they can gather together again in the city behind the walls there and begin to worship God and offer God sacrifice and pray so that their burdens and their sins can be lifted from them. And we find here that each of them, the Bible would tell us, they all commanded, they all spoke back to Nehemiah, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they caught the revelation or they caught the inspiration behind Nehemiah's desire. And I wonder tonight if we can catch that inspiration behind this prophetic ministry that God has sent down in this hour. It's not to build his own kingdom, but it was to to rebuild the kingdom of God where you can worship God in spirit and in truth with nothing broken, no breaches stopped. We can serve a living God with signs and wonders and the outpouring of the spirit. I believe that's what God sent William Branham for in this hour was to rebuild the walls of true worship. But we find just like in that day, they came in this day. And they want to throw off. Well, you can't build the wall. Well, you can't do this. We're going to bring it to naught. And we find here that anytime you start to do something for God, you're going to face opposition. And we notice the work ceased for a little bit. Not permanently, but it ceased for a little bit. But God brought the enemy's plans to naught. God 
brought the enemy's plans to naught. And when Nehemiah and the people begin to look back and they realize God brought our enemy's plans to naught, they can't stop us from building the wall. We've already started this work, and he that started it is more than able to finish it. So what did they do? They looked back from that time, and they drew courage. All the fear left, and they had a courage to drive, to finish what was started. And I wonder tonight, young people, oh, can you realize what happened this past? weekend or over last month in Oklahoma can that be the driving force to finish what God has started you can look back from that time and realize that's the moment that I met God that's the moment that I've been changed that's the moment where God does something supernaturally for me give me give me a little bit more volume up here if you don't mind brother Bannon will say this in the message from that time he says you know we as humans we can all think of things as at a certain time, such as things that are taking place. You know, many of us, we have parents or grandparents. They would always tell you that they trudged over the hill, both ways to school, rain, sleet, hell, and snow. Uphill, uphill both ways. Right. <laughs> they don't ever tell you about the downhill, but it's always up. It's always the worst part of it. Right. And they can always remember from that time. Yep. They're always pointing back. And, we, and Brother Ben would tell us, we all as humans tonight can recall things from an, a certain time. He says, practically all of us here tonight can call to remember or remembers of certain things that have taken place in a certain time. And from that time, something changed. Yeah. Now notice, it could be good things or it could be bad things. But nevertheless, we can recall a certain moment or a certain time or a certain event or a certain memory and we could go back, think about this, the Gutenberg printing press. It changed the world as we know it. Because before then, it was the, or the, the literate, the educated, the elite, that they were the only ones able to read and to write. And now with the printing press, it, 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 it destroyed that or broke the monopoly of the literate elite and on education. And it brought learning to everyone and it bolstered forth a middle class people. We look at the Spanish influenza, what it did in 1918 and 1919. It increased the need for medical science to be able to devise a vaccine so it could vaccinate the people to combat the disease or the virus. And yet it was because of that time that they were able in this day to come up with a vaccine within a year for COVID-19. It's what they learned. They look back to what took place in that time. And we think about the stock market crash of 1929 and what did it do? It was the longest economic downturn in the Western world. But yet it was from that event that it changed how we do banking. It changed how we, how we invest in our stocks and bonds, how everything is traded. It was because of that event. And we can look back today and realize that event is still having a lasting effect on us today. You know, Brother Danny made a comment this weekend, and I may say it a couple of times in this service this evening. And I told Brother Tim that this service is going to be more so directed to the young people. But he said, well, good, we're all young. So what that tells me is I'm expecting amens from the front to the back. All right, from the front to the back. From the front to the back. From the front to the back. Because we're all young people. What we found, he made a comment. He said, you know, he says, preaching is about Preaching is about moments. Notice here now, as I tell this story, 
This is in 1958, the sin of unbelief. Brother Ramos says, some time ago I was speaking to a girl and I felt led just to say something to her. And I said, sister, after the service was over, I said, would you come to Christ? She said, I belong to a church. And if I wanted somebody to speak to me, I'd get a pastor that had some sins. Said, don't you try to ever embarrass me. Said, well, very well, I'm sorry. No one knows of this but you and I. I didn't mean to embarrass you. I only asked you because I, and I said, I felt led. Notice, here our prophet of God is standing for this young teenage girl to lead her to the Lord. Her moment. And notice her response. Don't you ever try to embarrass me. Call me out. Speak to me aside. Make a public spectacle. Said, I only asked because I felt led. Standing by the side of a little rose bush by a Baptist church down in Nashville, Tennessee. Never forgot that night. The wind was blowing. The moon was shining. She turned her little painted lips up, her little nose, and she snickled away and met up with a bunch of boys. And about a year later, he goes, I was walking down the street. I seen a young lady walking down the street with her skirts terrible. And I looked at her and I thought, surely that's not her. And I turned and I started following her and she looked at me as they passed and I caught up with her and she said, hello, preacher. She remembered that time. Hello, preacher. I said, how do you do, aren't you? She said, yes, I am. She stopped and she reached in her pocketbook, pulled out a cigarette and said, have one. I said, shame on you. She said, well, maybe you'll take a little drink out of my bottle. And I said, does your daddy know this? He being a deacon in the church. She said, I want to tell you something, preacher. Now, listen, young person. She said, I want to tell you something, preacher. Do you remember that night you spoke to me by the bush? And I said, and he said, I'll never forget it. No, it made a lasting impression on the prophet. It was a moment. It was her moment. She said, that was my last call. What a moment. What a time to recognize it was your last call. She goes, it was my last call. And here's the remark that beautiful young woman made. She's, she, got to this, she got to this modern teenage rock and roll stuff, and she said, Preacher, my heart is so hard till I can see my mother's soul frying hell like a pancake and laughing. My heart had become so hard that I could see my mother's soul fry in hell like a pancake and laugh at it. So we find this young girl had a moment. And she can look back to a time that she recognized that was her opportunity, that she could give her heart to God and live a life victorious, but because of embarrassment, because of bitterness, because she felt he called her out, she turned away, not from a man, but she turned away from God. And her heart becomes so hardened that she can see her own mother, the one who birthed her into this life, the one who cared for her, the one who gave her son, the one who nourished her. She can see that soul burn in hell and sit back and laugh at it. What a moment. But I want you to know, young people, not every moment has to be like that. Oh, what we've been experiencing at Evening Light Tabernacle, what we've been experiencing at Oklahoma Youth Camp, not every moment has to be like that. But I will tell you tonight, you will have that moment. 
and it may very well be your last moment. But what decision are you going to make tonight in this moment, in this time? This could be the, the moment that you drive that stake down. And through all the, the time that you have left, you can look back to this night and say, that was my moment. And from that time, you either begin to walk toward God or you're walking away. But I'm here to tell you tonight, this ain't a song or this ain't a sermon about change because our chains are gone. This ain't about the past because we're moving on. Somebody's going on with Jesus. Somebody's made a declaration. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to give God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to give God my all. I'm not going to lay down. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to march on with God. And from this time, I've met God. Oh, hallelujah. I found my freedom in Jesus. I found my victory in his word. I found who I need, and he's changed me, and he's here tonight to change you. Oh, we find our freedom in him, not just on Wednesday night, not just on Sunday morning, but every day. Every day we wake up, and he is our freedom. Take, for instance, tonight. Say we have a woman of ill fame. She was not always a woman of ill fame. No, there was a time that she was good. There was a time that she was righteous. There was a time she may have been a moral girl. But on a certain night, a certain place, a certain thing happened. And since that time, she got on the wrong road. And her life had been marred with sin, blackness, darkness, and only judgment awaits. You know, I grew up not in church. So I went to public school. And I did everything that they did. And I remember a lot of girls as I was growing up, ninth grade, 10th grade, that you had a lot of respect for. Because it seemed like they went against the norm. We would call them good moral girls. You didn't hear anything bad about them. But all of a sudden, they made a choice. All of a sudden, this girl that you used to, or this person, this young person, that you used to kind of maybe set up a little bit higher than the rest because they seemed to live a moral life or a better life. They didn't just go to the parties and think. They made a conscious decision to fit in. And when it may have been the first drag off a cigarette, or it may have been the first hit off some drug, some marijuana joint, or the first drink of a bottle. And from that time, it led them down a spiral path to darkness to where now maybe they're sleeping with every other boy in the, in the school. And we find their life is ruined. Their character is ruined. And you'll never get your character back. Young person, protect your character with everything you got. Listen to me. Protect your character. Young girls, you protect your character. You guard it with everything you got. Don't you let some little boy weasel his way into your heart. You protect it. I don't even know why I'm going there, but protect it, guard it, watch over it, draw your sword, build walls around your heart that only that one person is able going to ever be able to enter through the gates of your heart to win your affection. We find here, take a drunk, for instance, a drunk, he never started off with the intention of being a drunk. But no, maybe he points back to a time. Brother Brandon would, would tell us 
that he was in New York with another preacher and they went down to this, this drunk alley there and there's drunks all over the place and he reached down to one and said, you know, hey, when we just try to talk to him, why are you here? What did you do? And he couldn't get a response out of the drunk. So the other preacher reached down there and he says, now, hey, who are you? Why are you here? And I'm just paraphrasing for the sake of time tonight. And the drunk said, oh, if you'll just buy me a, a, another drink, I'll tell you my story. He says, now we can't do that. We don't want to add to your sorrows. But they finally got this drunk aroused enough to come to his senses enough that he could point back to the moment. He could point back to an event that caused him to be there with all the other drunks. And he said, I came home from work one day. He was a bank president. A bank president, no doubt, made six figures. Had a good life, but since we would look at him, oh, he dressed in a three-piece suit and drove a nice car, lived in a nice house, and you think all that is happiness, there was something missing. And we find there was a Dear John letter wrote for him when he got off work. Maybe he came in a little bit late because he had to close the month out. Some of y'all get that later. He had to close the month out, so he worked a little bit late, but when he got home, he saw a Dear John letter. Dear John. I don't love you no more. I took the kids and we're gone. Maybe she left with another man. Another man that she allowed to get past those gates and win her affection. And so he comes to his reality. He says, I can either shoot my brains out or I can go down to the saloon. And he made a choice to go to the saloon and become a drunk on Skid Row because he looked back to a moment in a time that drove him or had an influence on him to drive him down a certain way. And we find that it happens oh so many times, but we don't have to allow the negative things in our life to influence us. But if we're going to allow them to influence us, let them allow them to influence us to things that are eternal. You know, I remember, and I told you over and over, and it seems like that's what we do as preachers. We tell our own testimony over and over and over, and maybe you don't realize how impactful that testimony has become to us. But if you were where I was 20-something years ago when you was drunk and out of your mind, driving your car at a high rate of speed, ready to commit suicide, and the angel of the Lord comes down and says, turn your car around, let me tell you, that'll do something for you. You can point back to that time that devil would come and lie in your and say, you don't have it. You never got nothing. I can point back to that moment. I can point back to that time. I turned around. I've been different. I've been changed. Why? Because the angel of the Lord came down. And he's here to come down tonight. I tell some of you young people, it's not too late. Turn your car around. Turn your life around. Come back home. You can turn to something that has eternal benefit. You can turn to something that's got eternal life in it. There's a time where a man can come to something that's eternal. Some of you tonight, you've had things nagging at you. You've had spirits bumping into you, trying to invade your space, trying to influence you, trying to get you to doubt, trying to get you to quit. Try to get you to give up. Try to tell you, you didn't get nothing Friday. You didn't get nothing Saturday. You didn't get nothing Sunday. You just didn't get nothing. But I'm here to tell you, if you can point that devil back to what you got. That's where it's going to take place. 
young person, you got to realize I got to point him back to a time. Back to a time where I met face to face. I came in a prayer line, but I walked out different. I may have came packing the devil, but I left dancing in victory. I left rejoicing because well, I met God at a certain service. And from that time, I've been changed. And from that time, I've been different. See, when you come in the presence of the angel, you cannot leave the same. You know, we make our vows at New Year's. How many of you ever made a vow? You know, the, we, ain't, we can just leave that one alone. Right. We know we made our vows. I'm going to lose weight. I quit saying that one. It is what it is. I'm past 40. Ice cream cone, here I come. I'm all good with it. I've been married close to 18, 19 years now. She's good with it. We're happy. Okay. No more. I'm going to lose weight. It don't matter. But we make our vows. We make our... So we're going to turn a new page. You know, many times that's how we come. That's the mentality that maybe some of our young people, they come to the altar. I'm going to be different. And it's you doing it. And we appreciate your effort. But you got to get to a point like Buddy Robinson. Look, I'm coming up here. He's going to give me the Holy Ghost. And if I'm going to stay here until he does, unless, or if he doesn't, I'm going to be a pile of bones when he comes back. We got to get to that same determination. We're going to serve God. We're going to love God. We're going to point. We're going to drive it down a stake and a tire pump, and we're going to anger our soul to it. And we're never going to look back to the world. Amen. See, a man can come to God, and his whole eternal destination can be changed. I'm looking at men. I'm looking at men and women right here tonight. Come to God, and their entire Eternal destination has been changed. I look at a man back over here, looked up at a water tower. That's all it took, a water tower. Look to another young man. All the parents didn't come home at 11 o'clock. But God used, God used that late coming home for a purpose to bring a prodigal back to himself. I look at another young man now, one of the greatest gifts in this church. Come to a youth service, and I was casting a net and casting a net and casting a net, trying to catch the young man that was behind him, and he got caught up in the net. But let me tell you, oh, what a catch we got that night in Andrew Tushner. What a great gift. What a great blessing he's been to even like Tabernacle. The young boy, skateboarder, a punk, going out drinking and doing God knows what. There's no desire to serve God but one night in a youth meeting. And tonight, he can point back to that time. He can point back to that service. That's where it changed. That's where my life turned. That's where everything changed for me. And I'm not the same. I don't have the same desires. It all changed. And we got to get to that point, young people. Let me say it like this. We got to get to that point, old people. Sometimes we think we've been in the message 20 years, 30 years. We don't need to make a move. Shame on you. Your heart needs to be tender enough to make a move toward God. God wants everybody. God had grace for Cain. Genesis 4 and 7, if thou doest well, shall shall thou not be accepted? So don't tell me tonight you can't live for God. God's not calling. God calls all. Everybody has an opportunity. See, we got to meet God. 
not made a doctrine, not made a church creed or church ideology or some man's idea, but we got to get to a place where we actually meet God. We actually encounter our moment. And forever, and forever, and forever it is changed. Not only are you changed here, but you're changed over there. It changes your eternal destination. Think about this. Last time I spoke, we spoke about the prodigal son, how it's not the end of your story. Let me just pick back up, if y'all don't mind, on the prodigal son just for a minute. Here he was slopping the swine. Man, his life had hit rock bottom. He was the dregs of humanity, the scum of the earth, filthy, stinking, lost, away from home, no hope, no future, no promise of tomorrow. You would look at him and say, he don't have a chance. He don't have a chance, but he met God. Despite your unbelief, despite the way you would judge him, despite how we look at him, despite everything he's ever done, despite him being, living there with the swine and feeding the swine and eating pig slop, despite all that, the angel of the Lord came to him and shook him. He said, arise, go back to your father's house. And from that time, he pulled himself together the best that he could. And begin to march on back to his father's house. And I can just picture as he's going through maybe the city. Some of the old familiar places that he used to hang out at. Some of his old friends would come. Hey, hey, Proddy, come over here. Come back in here. Let's hang out a little bit. We've all missed you. You used to be the life of the party. Oh, but where he used to be tempted and where he used to give in. Now he just keeps on walking. He just keeps on walking. How can he keep walking, Brother Joe? Because he met the angel. Oh, his spiritual amnesia had left. Now he realizes who I am. I'm not a swine babber. I'm not somebody that's no count, no good for nothing. My father is a wealthy man. Our father is a wealthy man. You belong to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. All you got to do is awaken yourself and come back to the father. He turned down temptation. He turned down the women. He turned down the alcohol because his desires were changed. His desires were changed. In one moment. Because in one moment, the angel of the Lord came to his filthy dwelling. One moment. So I don't care where you are tonight. I don't care where your loved one is tonight. God will come to your filthy dwelling. And God has a purpose and a plan for coming for your life. He's not going to leave you the way he finds you. Come on, some of you older people in the back back here need to rekindle that experience. Maybe you down there and you done lost your feel for God and lost your love for God. But I'm here to tell you, all you got to do is is come to yourself and realize, why am I here? I don't want to be here. I don't want to be this way. I want to be a real son of God. I want to go back to my father's house. You know, Abraham met God out there doing whatever he was doing, shepherding, picking berries, doing whatever. But there was a time the voice of God came down and spoke to Abraham. Abraham, it's time for you to leave the land of the Chaldeans. You need to depart from your your father, and I'm going to take you to a city. 
I'm going to take you somewhere. And Abraham, oh, he would begin to set out on this journey, begin to follow this unseen God. But he knew he heard the voice. He knew he had met God. And when God promised Abraham that he was going to have a son, and yet his body is old and his body is dead and his wife's body is dead. Yet the same God that spoke to him in the land of Ur, the city of the Chaldeans, was the same God that spoke to him there. And he had enough faith. He could look back and say, that God has never failed me. And I'm saying, he won't fail me today. No matter how old I get, how decrepit I get, how dead my body becomes, he won't fail me. He's not failed me yet. See, Abraham could look back. He can look back to a time to where God moved. Many of you came in the prayer line. Many of you I spoke to after the prayer line. And I asked you, if God did something for you, write it down in your Bible. Write the date down. And we said, Brother Joe, come on, that sounds a little bit odd. Well, it's only odd if you want it to be odd. Because what you're doing is physically driving a stake down. This right here. Anytime. Your memory may fail you. When you flip that file leaf open, it's right there. Right there, April 4th. Right there. Something happened. April 3rd, 2021. My life was changed. 2021, April 4th, I got delivered. I came in a prayer line. I walked away different. I asked God to give me my dancing. He gave me more than a dance. He gave me joy, unspeakable and full of glory. I asked God that I needed deliverance, and God not only gave me deliverance, but he gave me the Holy Ghost. I asked God I need direction. Not only did God give you direction, he told you exactly where you needed to be. Write it down. What's it do? It reminds not only you when you can't see and you get feeble, and sometimes you may come into amnesia, but it also reminds that devil what God has done for you because you've got an ink down there, and yeah, you can point that devil back. This is it right here. I can open it up. That's where I've been changed. That's what God's done for me. Take that, devil. I'm not the same. I don't have the same desire. I don't have the same desire. ideas. I've been changed because I was in the presence of the angel. The man will say that's when a man meets God, it changes his makeup. It gives him a super sense. Gives him a super sense. My, my, my. That clock is running crazy. See, when a man meets God, something takes place. See, the super sense supersedes anything that we can taste, feel, smell, and hear. It controls the five senses. See, the five senses will tell you when you feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost come down to stay in your seat. Because it's not normal for you to act the way you act when the Holy Spirit falls on you. But if you allow that super sense to take over, you'll find yourself laughing uncontrollably. You'll find yourself running around the church. You'll find yourself dancing in the Spirit. Because why? Because that super sense makes you act in ways you wouldn't normally act. Because that super sense is the, is the Holy Ghost. The prophet of God will say, it's the Holy Ghost coming down. And it overrides all the other five senses. The problem is, some of us can't get out of the way long enough to allow that super sense to take over. You feel the Spirit move by you. How many of you have ever felt the Spirit move by? And you just quenched it. Not me. Not me. I ain't going to look like that, run like that, act like that. When we, then we, then we, we look back at these young people. 
We don't need to act like that in church. Shame on you. You ain't met God. I told the young people, when I got the Holy Ghost, I didn't jump and shout. I didn't have that. I can't tie my experience back to that, but I know I got it. How do you know, Brother Joe? Because my desires are different. The things I used to desire without the Holy Ghost, I don't desire no more. Look, I got, I got an iPad. I got an iPhone. I got computers. I got everything. I don't have no kind of protection on them. Why? Because I got the protection of the Holy Ghost. He guards me. I'm not saying that to prop myself up. I'm just telling you, that's what the Holy Ghost can do for you. The Holy Ghost can take that desire out of your heart where you used to want to look at those kind of things. Now it makes you want to get into the Word where you study the gift of God and what God has for you in this hour. We find some of this past weekend, some of you got so drunk on the spirit, you was acting in ways that defied the five senses. See, that's what happens. And no matter how hard you could try without that sixth sense, you would look like a total fool trying to act drunk. You can't do it. You've got to get intoxicated to act like a drunk man. And you're not acting at that point. You're drunk. So when you allow that sixth sense, that super sense to overtake you and lift you up into the heavenly places where you've met God and God's come down and broke the shackles and fetters off your life, you got a reason to, to dance. you got a reason to get drunk. you got a reason to laugh in the devil's face. Because why? Because God has come down and changed the devil's plans and brought his desires for you to not. Well, he thought he was going to destroy you. Well, he thought he was going to get you to commit suicide or give up and turn back to the world. God comes down in a weekend service and changes your very makeup. Where you wanted to give up, where you wanted to quit, God came down and give you that power and said, you're not a quitter. You are a finisher. Born in his coming. Oh, ain't no grave going to hold me down. I've been born for this moment. God brought me here for this time. Hallelujah. There was a sister over the weekend, came in a prayer line, bound by fear. Her family had a history of issues, schizophrenia, and she was fearful that these things would, would take over her, and she had come underneath that and become that. Very reserved sister. Brother Aaron and I began to pray with her. She'd come up and would just begin to tell us these things. Brother Aaron began to begin to pray, and the Lord began to speak to her in a personal way. She began to jump. She began to shout. But it was more than just a jump and a shout. A revelation broke forth in her. I don't have to be that. That may have been underneath my first birth, but I've been born again of the Spirit of God. I don't have to fear being a schizo. I don't have to fear any of that kind of thing. No, because why? Because we begin to tell her you're a daughter of God. You never was in a, uh, you, you, you never belonged to the devil to begin with. You've always belonged to God. And that revelation dropped down. And they told us, some of her, some of the people from Dallas told us that that's not like her. She never has done that in her life. And they've been to church with her for a long time. That's not her nature to do that. But let me tell you, when you come in the presence of the angel. 
Oh, he'll get you to do things you wouldn't normally do. And I can testify, and Brother Aaron can too. When we came and stepped in right up here, the presence of Almighty God met with us. It wasn't Brother Aaron. It wasn't Brother Joe. It wasn't the effort of a man. But the angel of the Lord stood right here. Don't patient after patient after patient. And what did he do? He discerned and he cast out and he brought deliverance and he brought the Holy Ghost and he brought healing. He did it right here. And you can tie your soul back to that moment. That's where I met God. That's where I got free. That's where I got delivered. That's what service. I got the Holy Ghost. Right there. He laid hands on them. And before you say one word, five seconds in, they're out. Brother Aaron, I don't know, but have you ever just laid hands on somebody and they went out like that under your own power? Brother Tim, we don't have that power. We don't have that capability. What am I telling you, church? I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost, that the angel of the Lord visits this church. Service after service. Well, why do they have to act like that? Take it up with the angel. Why don't they got to dance and jump and shout and scream and laugh in the spirit? Take it up with the angel. But I'm here to tell you, as long as he's coming, I'm coming in. I'm stepping in. I'm going to have my moment. I'm going to have my change. I'm going to have my opportunity. I'm going to go down my stake. I'm going to point the devil back to that service. That's where, that's where, from that time, from that service, the chains broke. Liberation came. The Holy Ghost fell. I'm free. I'm free tonight. No longer bound by fear. Well, my, my, my. Hallelujah. See, the Holy Ghost is that super sense. See, Abraham, against hope, he believed in hope. Being not weak in faith, the Bible says he, he considered not the weakness of his own body or the deadness of his own body. And the Bible says he staggered not. You face a lot of opposition here in Laodicea. But don't stagger, young person. Don't stagger, mom and dad. Don't stagger, mamma, papa. However you want to say that, grandma, granddad, however you like to say it, don't stagger. Don't stagger through unbelief. Don't stagger because you're in a trial. Don't give up. God knows what's best for you. Let me give you one word of confidence tonight. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. If God brought you to it, he's going to bring you through it. All right? Notice here a young teenage boy. Now, some of y'all can, can kind of fit in with this. Young teenage boy, we all know his name is David. David, one time he encountered a bear. Stole a little sheep. Well, you know, that bear's bigger than me. I guess that little sheep would just let it go off. No, that wasn't David's mentality. David wasn't going to give a sheep up. He wasn't going to give a hoof up. Said David said, that's mine. See, some of us, we live and we compromise a lot of times with the devil. Well, I guess I can just live with this. I'll figure out how to get through this. Let me tell you, Brother Danny was conveying a story to me and Brother Aaron in the back room the other night. said about a brother that was coming to his church, and he was bound by a bunch of different things. And a long time ago, he went to a certain church, and a certain brother prayed for him. And he said, Lord, we ask that you give this brother a season of victories. And that brother got a season of victories. 
He got a season of victories. But let me tell you, when the season was up, everything came rushing back on him, and he was a troubled man. I'm going to tell you, even like Tabernacle, we don't preach a season of victories. We preach the Holy Ghost. We preach total victory. We preach total annihilation. We preach deliverance and total deliverance. And you can point back to that time. Not a season, but a real experience where you met God. Thank you, sir. So we find David. The bear come up. Took his little slingshot. Bam. Knocked the bear down. Got the sheep back. Great story. That's how we read it, ain't it? Black and white. We read it like a newspaper article. Oh, did you read that story today, Brother Aaron? There was another. A lion came up. Roar. David knocked it down. Split his throat. Got the sheep back. I'm going to tell you, if David was telling this story, it would be more emphatic and more intense than that. He wouldn't just be, oh, well, that's a pretty good story. Here's this 14-year-old kid, got a little sling in his hand. He's poorly dressed, little ruddy guy. He ain't very big. You know, probably looks like Austin, Austin Oglesby, a little pale boy, just a little bit short thing. And, you know, and you wouldn't think he could do anything, right? A little bitty frail, skinny little fella. Don't weigh a buck oh five. Oh, that's how we read the Bible sometimes. But put yourself where David was at. Put yourself, when David come against that bear, David knew that there was no human ability that he possessed that should be able to kill a bear that was great, big, a wild, beastly animal. But the anointing of the Holy Ghost came upon David and brought David the victory. And when the lion rose up, the same Holy Ghost fell again and brought David another victory. David had an experience upon the experience. And began to add to his experience. And when he faced Goliath, he didn't shudder. He didn't fret. He didn't go in unbelief. He said, come here, Boy, I'm ready for the job. I've had a moment with the bear. I've had a moment with the lion. I've had my moment. I'm gonna tell you, ain't no lion gonna destroy me. I'm a son of God. I know my position. I've had an experience. I can point back. I can point back to a time where I met God. There was no human possibility but God. But God. David would point back to a time. And from that time, he never feared. From that time, he never worried. He knew he met Samuel. And Samuel had anointed him to be a king. Oh, young person. Mom and dad, we have been anointed in Laodicea to sit with the king. We have been anointed to be the bride of Christ. We have been anointed, not just by a prophet, but by the seventh angel, by the messenger, by the one who's going to close it all, wrap all the loose ends, and reveal the mysteries. You have been anointed by that angel. Why do we fret? Why do we fear? It's only the Father trying to bring you the revelation of the word. Notice now. See, the problem is, the Bible would tell us in Ephesians 6 and 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the things that you face here is greater than what David faced there. You face depression. You face suicide. You face anxieties. Some of you face fear. You know what fear is? Fear is the keeping you bound and keeping you living free while you're alive. Because you're afraid to do anything. 
You're afraid to go anywhere. You're afraid to step out and trust God. But I want you to know, fear is a liar. See, what we face is greater than what they face. Sister Alana, stage four lymphomic cancer. And with that, no doubt, most likely, came fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of how she was going to... How, how severe the case was going to be. Severe if even death would take her life. Severe hit the children. Severe hit the father. What's going to happen to my wife? What's going to happen to my, you know, my mom? What's going to happen? See, there's no human possibility for a little frail woman whose lungs on one side was full of cancer. But God. Amen. But God anointed Sister Alana and the Butts family for victory. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Anointed them for victory. Well, why do you say, Brother Joe, does, 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 did they ever worry anymore? No, I doubt they have any kind of concern about worry because all of that family can point back to a moment that a little sister got down and began to run around this altar, began to run around the church. Why? Because she caught the revelation. I'm leaning on the everlasting hand or the everlasting arm of the Almighty. And when you can realize that's where your faith is anchored, that's where your soul is, is tied to, it's not tied to some man, it's not tied to some preacher, it's not tied to some doctor, but it's tied to Jesus. Oh, when you got cancer, you can dance. When you got fear, you can break free from it. When you got brain bleed, you can know that your God still healed. Your God still saved. Your God still delivered. Sister Karen faced a midline shift. There was no human possibility to her for her to make it. Doctor told me she's got five minutes, maybe five years, but she'll be in a vegetable state. But God. But God, why did God do these things? It's a landmark. Brother Johnny, you can look back to Sister Lana's testimony and say and realize that same God is your God. That same God that delivered Sister Karen is your God tonight. It's a landmark. You can look back. This church can look back and say, our God saved. Our God healed. Cancer is not bigger than our God. Brain bleeds is not bigger than our God. So why does God do these things? He does it so that you can have the assurance that he will do what he says he'll do. He will. He has destroyed the enemy's plan. See, when God promises, God will keep his word. When God promised to heal you, he will do it. When God promised to give you the Holy Ghost, he will do it. So don't come to me and say it doesn't work. It does work. I can testify it's life-changing power. I can tell you that the Holy Ghost is real. I can tell you that deliverance and healing is real. I can look at them, cases after cases. Our God is a deliverer. Our God is awesome. Our God is mighty. Our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. If we could just let ourselves get away from our five senses and come into the presence of the angel. Unreserved. Say, God, here I am. I'm going to let go. I'm in your presence. Oh, my. Brother Bam said what the ministry needs tonight. There's not so many BAs and DDs, but it needs an experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost that puts life into the man and gives him faith in a living God that changes not an experience. 
So that's kind of where I'm driving this home to tonight. What the ministry needs is not trying to extinguish the fire that's at Evening Light Tabernacle. No, won't you stop trying to put the fire out and come and join us? Come on down here to Louisiana. We invite you, one and all, come and taste and see that God is good. I'm going to promise you one thing. When you come in the presence of the angel and he meets you at this altar, you will not go home the same. You may go home staggering. You may go home drunk. You may even speak in tongues. But one thing for sure, you will not go home the same criticizer that you came with. Because God has given a promise that he will meet you if you come with a real heart. I want to meet God. I want to have a real experience. I don't want to be this way any longer. God is obligated to meet you. God is obligated to do something for you. Hallelujah. We need to set aside our theological ideas. Set aside how well you can explain the mysteries. I don't care how well you can explain the mysteries. It don't bother me. I like teaching. But I love anointed preaching. I love teaching. It grounds you. It solidifies you. It ties you back where you know the foundation you stand on. That's all good, but that's all you got, and I don't want it. If all you got is teaching, I don't want it. You better give me some anointed Holy Ghost preaching to go with it. You better give me some fire. You better give me some, some of that real anointing, that real intoxication. So when I come out of that service, hey, I could take some, I could take some wine. Back when I was in the, in the world, we drank wine, we drank beer. They're the nastiest things in the world. They have a different flavor altogether. They still have the same effect. One takes longer. You can just take all that doctrine you want. You can take all that teaching you want. But let me tell you, you start drinking of the real heavy stuff. That Holy Ghost comes down through that anointed preaching. It'll do something for you right quick. You'll lay over here and you'll be drunk laughing in the spirit. Because why? Because when you become under that, that intoxication of that strong drink. You know, Moses, we know the story of Moses. The Bible will tell us in Exodus 3 that the angel Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Think about that one. What if you was herding sheep out there in the wilderness all alone, you and a bunch of sheep blatant around the mountain, and you go and you see this bush, and this bush is on fire, and this bush ain't putting out a bit of smoke. It's just blazing. Brother Danny said that Moses' attitude toward the burning bush determine his destination. And your attitude toward these services, toward the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, will determine your eternal destination. Your attitude, mom, dad, grandparent. See, Moses said, I will turn aside and I will see this great sight while the bush not burns. So let me just say this tonight. He not only, God was not only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he was Moses' God too. Amen. And he's not only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, William Branham, and all these other messengers that came before them. He's your God too. Amen. The same God. The same power. The same signs. The same wonders. The same anointing. See, Brother Branham will say this. He said, now, there was a time when a man had to be trained in all his wisdom and all the theology of the, the word of God. And he knew that by letter he'd been schooled. He had all the degrees. He was smart until, the, until he could teach the Egyptian scholars and their teachers. He knew all about it by letter, but a coward with it. He knew it all in his mind, but he was a coward with it. 
He was running and he went out on the backside of a desert herding sheep for a stranger. But there come a time that when, he, when, it, when God met him there in the burning bush. And from that time, Moses was changed. Amen. See, from that time, Moses was changed. And, you know, he, he tried to do it all in himself without an experience. And anytime you try to do it with yourself and without the anointing of the Holy Ghost or without the real experience of the baptism of the, the Spirit of God, you're just going to fail. Teaching is all right, the prophet of God said, but the letter killeth the spirit gives life. Say, in the presence of that burning bush, he know more about God in five minutes than he'd been taught in 40 years. Amen. So what are you saying, Brother John? I'm saying I'd rather have a five-minute encounter with the burning bush than all the years, all the education, all the theological discussions of the message of the doctrines of the, the seals of the, the church ages of all the missions. You give me five minutes alone with the angel of the Lord. It's more than all the doctrine you can lay before me because the letter killeth, but the Spirit of God is the one that's here to give life. He can anoint those mysteries, anoint those seals, and anoint those church ages, and anoint the Word of God so it not only just lays on the page, but it becomes a living reality. Where the Word becomes real and you take it into your bosom and you become the Word of God. Five minutes. Five minutes is all you need tonight in that presence. Five minutes. See, Moses had a supernatural experience. In order to be a prophet, he had to. In order to be the bride, you have to as well. See, we got to be born again. Can I go just a little bit further? We'll bring this. I won't hold you much longer. Brother Bam said in the, the, the message this day, the scriptures are filled. He says, I talked to my nephew a while ago, a little Catholic boy. And he I said, Uncle Bill, I've been running from pillar to post, going everywhere, trying to find something. Night after night before this meeting started, he'd been crying. And out at nighttime, he'd been dreaming dreams of coming in and running up to the altar. We're preaching and making a confession that he's been wrong. I said, Melvin... No matter where you try to go, how many churches you join, how many Hail Marys you say, or how many blessings you get from man, you got to be born again of the Spirit of God. It's the only thing that has satisfied the human heart. He says, now, I know they got a substitute today, being born again, shake hands with the preacher, put your name on the book, be friends. That, you know, that is a dogma. That's not the Bible truth. He says, now, when the day of Pentecost fully come, the pastor walked out and shook hands with the people. That ain't what we do at Even Light Tabernacle. But when the day of Pentecost was, had fully come at the inauguration of the church, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. That's how the Holy Spirit come the first time. That's how it comes every time. That's how it comes since that time. He is God, and he changes not. See, it was an experience. He just didn't have a letter to read or laws to read or books to read. He had an experience that God still lived. Amen. That's what we want for you. Not just a letter. Not just an idea. Not just a theology. Not just a doctrine. But a reality that he lives. That he lives. You know, I, I made a comment, or I actually put it down here, and I probably got to it. I don't know if I may have skipped over. I'll make this comment to you tonight. You got to get to the point. If you had to go to hell and you was a last man standing, but you met God, he's going to deliver you from hell. If you went to hell and you met God and God changed it, now we know that can't happen, but I'm just being hypothetical because sometimes that's how we feel all along. 
We feel like our life is in a living hell. We've got trials on this side and trials on that side. But you get to the place where you met God and you're standing all alone in the midst of all the adversity that can be around you. But yet you've got an angered faith because you had an experience where you met God and you know God will deliver you and you just sit there waiting. If it ain't today, God, I'm going to be waiting tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, God, I'm going to come the next service and the next service and the next service. I'm going to come with an expectation because I have met God. And I'm ready for the Holy Ghost. And I'm ready for my deliverance. And I'm ready for my healing. And I'm ready tonight, God. Because why? Because I have made God. And I can point that devil back to a time where it all changed. In a service where it all changed. In a service where I was born again. In a service where I received the Holy Ghost. It's backside of the desert experience. And when you have that. All the devils out of hell can't talk you out of it. You met God. And until you meet God, you'll be like that young girl that I spoke of earlier. you got to have an experience. But I said what we need today is somebody to meet God face to face, talk to him, the situation. And when you meet God, things are changed. Certainly, that's the only way we can have things. Moses was a coward running. From the issue. But after he met God, he went marching Amen. with a stick in his hand, a baby on a donkey, and a wife going to take over. What a difference. What a difference the experience makes. So Moses, when he got down to Pharaoh, I want you to notice he didn't bow his knee to Pharaoh. Mr. Pharaoh, could you please let my people go? No, that ain't them. I can see Moses kind of being kind of like me a little bit. Loud, passionate. He stuttered. I do a little bit of that too. So we're in good company. <laughs> Moses went down there. He stood flat-footed. Look here, Pharaoh. I know who you are. I know your position. But I ain't afraid of you. Moses, you let my people go. You let them young people go. You let them old people go. You've held them by fear. You've held them by depression. You've held them by anxiety. You've held them by sickness. But today, Moses, I'm telling you, let them go. Amen. How can Moses stand before them? Because Moses had bent his knees in the presence of the angel at the burning bush. And he had had an experience that God is real. Amen. And when you had that same experience, church, I don't care what you face, you'll fear no enemy. Amen. You'll fear no opposition. Because the God we serve will turn the devil's plans to naught. And you can look back on it and say, come on, it's time to get back to the wall. Yeah. We got to finish this thing up and wrap it up for a rapture yeah. so we can get out of here. Yeah. See, the burning bush had what Moses lacked. And it has what you lack tonight as well. Let me tell a few testimonies. Can I go with a few testimonies as we bring this to a close? I could go on and on and on, but... It's not Sunday, and we're tired, but it's good to be in his presence. Yeah. You know, Mary Magdalene, she was put out on the street living as a prostitute. Her life was ruined and in ruins. But one day she met Jesus. She had demons of lust, depression, anxiety, fear, suicide, and altogether seven demons. She had a past. 
but her past didn't have her. So she had a past. And each of us here this evening, we have a past. Some not so good. But I want you to know, church, your past doesn't have you. Because why? Because you met the angel. Had a young sister come in this prayer line, Brother Danny and I. Brother Danny and I stood right there and began to pray with her. It was, I think it was Saturday night. I, I, all of it just kind of runs together. I've been in a lot of prayer lines here lately, but we began to pray. Just as she came up, she confessed what was going on, and me and Brother Danny began to pray. And when we began to pray, that thing just pulled back like that and fell to the ground. And I knew instantaneously what it was. Sure. This is not my first rodeo. I've seen this before. Because anytime you begin to pray with somebody and that demonic spirit is there, the first thing it does is pulls away and runs from it. Because he knows he's about to be cast out. Amen. She pulled back and hit the ground. And I began to come down. When I began to come down to go pray for her, she rose up. And that spirit spoke out of her, leave me alone. And let me just go ahead and tell you, I didn't read some casting out devil book for dummies. No, sir, I knew my position. I've had an experience with God. Not only that, but we had an experience at camp. We had dealt with devils before, but I had met God, and God had anointed me to cast that thing out, and I began to curse that devil, and that thing left her. Let me tell you, that's when you got to know. Let me, you don't come into a prayer line and just think you're going to play church or play preacher because that thing will jump off on them and jump on you. You got to know where you stand. You got to know that you have met God. You got to know that you had met God. There was another young sister coming to prayer line. She was actually in a prayer line in Oklahoma. Brother Timothy preached a masterful service. If y'all hadn't heard those services, please, by all means, go back and listen to them. Wonderful. And not only watch the service, watch the anointing. Watch the move of the spirit. Watch how everything just orchestrated. This young girl came up. And we began to pray. It was one of the evenings Brother Timothy had preached. And I stood over from the side looking. And him and Brother Wendell was praying for some people. And the grandmother of this girl brought her up. And I come over there a little bit closer. And I knelt down. And, or not knelt down. I looked down and I'm just watching. Kind of surveying. Just kind of understanding what's going on here. What's the issue. And something spoke to me. said, that's suicide. Well, Brother Timothy came out before he came out. His first words when he stepped out from behind the platform or behind the altar, the, the pulpit that morning, that evening, he said, now the Lord just dealt very heavily me, we, heavily with me in the back about a spirit of suicide. Did he not, Sister Jessica? He said, the Lord just put it heavily on my heart to deal with suicide. Somebody's here that's got a suicidal spirit. And I didn't think anything about it. I, let me tell you, I'm the farthest from one that's being super spiritual. But something said, that's suicide. And she's just shaking and going on. And, and I knew right there, something ain't right. This girl is not delivered. And they just kind of moved her along. Well, the service went on and on and on and on. And, and actually, she come back up at another time. He brought her back up. And Brother Timothy and I were standing right beside each other in a prayer line. And I leaned over in his ear. I said, this is suicide right here. This is the one you're looking for. And Brother Timothy said, you can ask him in his own words. He said, that's the one he waited for that night. And when he got done praying for that one, he left off the platform. He was weakened and left off the platform. And he come to me and says, Brother Joe, you were spot on. That was the one I was looking for. But that same girl, the same girl came in our service. Brother Aaron and I dealt with her right here. Suicidal spirit because of her past. Because of things that happened to her. 
not her fault. And a lot of times, it's things that are not our fault. But the devil makes you think it's your fault. You did this. You created this mess. No. He created this mess. But through his mess, you're going to rise up victorious. We begin to pray for this girl. She came up and she, she confided in us, told us, I'm dealing with this thought. I'm dealing with these, these things. This is what happened to me as a kid and, or, or, you know, what happened to me. And I don't know. I just got ugly with it. I'm thinking, you know what? You didn't torment this girl long enough. And the Spirit of God just began to flow out and we began to pray. And Brother Aaron and I began to pray. And she just began to pull back and just jump and shout and just beat her head against the pew right there. You know, that's how the devil does it. And if you're not wise to that, first thing you do, you may just let them think, oh, well, we got the victory. They then shouted and jumped and jerked and all that, and they screamed, and, you know, they, they kind of get a little steel, and you think that's it. No, it wasn't it. Both Brother Aaron and I had our hands on her, and we began to speak peace to her. And all of a sudden, just the Spirit of God just come over her, and you could just sense, sense every muscle in her body just relaxed. And she subsided, and she looked up at us. Brother Aaron, she said, I'm finally free. I'm finally free. I'm finally free. I'm finally free. Oh, and she rose up. She had a reason to dance. She had a reason to shout because she's finally free. Finally. March 17, 2021, I got a touch. April 4th, 2021, I got it all. Brother William Butts. He can point back. He can point back to when he got a touch, and he can point back when he got it all. He can remind the devil, I don't belong to you. I got my touch, and then I got it all. I got the Holy Ghost. I got delivered from depression. I got delivered from fear. I got it all. This day, April the 4th, 2021, was my day, my moment. I found my deliverance. I would rather die than give up what I got. I am a finisher. Brother Luke, I am a finisher. I hope I'm talking to more finishers tonight. I would rather die than give up what I got. I would rather die than give up the experience that I had this past weekend. Because I am a finisher. A few more. I don't want these musicians to go on and make their way up here. You can just play something softly as I read through a few of these. Can I go just a few more minutes to read a couple of these? These are testimonies of our young people. What are you saying, Brother Joe? They can look back to a certain moment. You had your moment. Now they got theirs. Here's another one. I went to service expecting to move in my life. I'd ask God or ask the Lord to give me a dance, but not just a dance, but I wanted a victory dance. You know, I think you need to be precise with God. Anybody can dance, but there's a whole different element when it's victory. In it. By the way, you're coming home with me tonight. Because we're going to have a victory party. Fear is a liar. Did you hear what I said? Fear has kept Joshua Butts bound over years after years after years after years. 
keeping him from going to somebody's house, his friend's house, to enjoy good fellowship because he's afraid to stay. I hope you don't mind. This is just spontaneous. He was scared to go to somebody's house to be away from his home, away from his mom, away from his, his, uh, his dad and his siblings and just away. But he could go out into the woods by himself. Isn't that a tormenting spirit? I'm more afraid of the woods than I am somebody else's house. I'm walking in there, got every light on my head on. I mean, I'm scared to death. I don't finally subside until I'm 20 foot up the tree. And then I hope there ain't nothing up there waiting on me. But he come in the prayer line the other Sunday morning. April the 4th, came in the prayer line and said, Brother Joe, Brother Aaron, I can go into the woods by myself. But I can't go to somebody else's house. And Brother Aaron done such a masterful job dealing with that demon of fear. Joshua Butts looked at me. He said, Brother Joe, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> Next opportunity, I've come to stay a night at your house. I'm like, well, you're my son's friend, but come on. I think, yeah, fear, you're alive. Fear, your reign is over. It's over. We're going to point back to April the 4th when the spirit of fear has lost its grip. When the spirit of fear can't hold you no more. The spirit of fear is no longer the ruler of Joshua Bush. But Almighty God is your ruler. And he's given you a spirit, not of fear, but a sound mind and the Holy Ghost where we fear not. We stand boldly in the face of our enemy. Let me get back to Brother Andrew. I told Brother Joe I wanted the Holy Ghost and to be free. And he told me that the devil had been telling me that I had to do this and I had to do that to get the Holy Ghost, which was very true. And he prayed for me. And when Uncle Aaron grabbed me, Uncle Aaron grabbed me. You know, it makes a difference when you're loved. And young people, I want you to know right here, that man, that man, and this man, we love you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to fight until I ain't got a tooth in my head. I'm going to fight for you. When nobody has hope, we're going to fight for you. Nobody believes you're going to make it, we're going to be there to help you make it. Brother Uncle Aaron grabbed me and pulled me to the side and was saying stuff that I don't remember all of it. But when, but when he let me go, I started stumbling around. Something took control of me and I had my eyes closed the whole time. But I remember like I was a puppet. And I started jumping and my arms were going everywhere. And I felt myself hit the handrail. And I grabbed a hold and I let myself down onto the steps where I'd stay for probably 20 minutes just thanking the Lord. I was just amazed how the Lord orchestrated it all and gave me my victory day. I'm still hungry for more. So take this whole world. But give me Jesus. Take this whole world. Say you can have Laodicea. You can have your women. You can have your drugs. You can have your alcohol. You can have it all. But give me Jesus. Give me a reality. Give me an experience. Give me a Holy Ghost. Give me a service like we had last week. Give me an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You can take it all, but give me Jesus. But if you're going to give me Jesus, make sure he's got signs and wonders when he's coming. Matty Joyner. I was watching all the young girls just dance and have such a wonderful... I'm not going to be able to get all these. I'm just going to hit the highlights on a few. I was watching all the young girls dance and have such a wonderful time. And I wanted to experience that and I almost 
went up for prayer about it, but the devil told me that you don't need to do that. What are the people going to think about you? And I just stood there, and the devil said, you don't even have the Holy Ghost. How many has he ever told you that? Mom, Dad, every day, you ain't got it. You're just playing. You hypocrite going through the motions. I say, devil, I tell you what, you may be true. It may look like I'm just going through the motions. But I can tell you one thing. My heart's been turned. Deal with that one. You mad because you can't turn it back. You upset because you done lost the victory. I'm here to tell you, I've been turned. My desires are changed. I got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. Why? Because it ain't about jumping. It ain't about shouting. It's about having your desires changed. But you know that you know the things that you used to quit, the things that you used to desire, you don't desire them no more. Now you desire the living Word of God. Now you desire services like we're having tonight. Now you desire the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Then I stood there and the devil said, you don't even have the Holy Ghost. So I went up for prayer. And I told you, speaking to me, she told Brother Joe and that I don't know what I had. Just didn't feel like I, I, you told me that, that it's mine. I just had to take it and that he died so that I could live victorious. So I did myself a little dance, knowing that I am free and I had the Holy Ghost. See, that's the devil's lie. To keep you from it. Young people, if you can ever realize that your desires are changed. And when your desires are changed, you may not point to a jump. You may not can point to a shout or to laughing or to falling out in a service. But if you can point that devil back to where your desires were permanently changed, there ain't no devil, hear me, no devil in hell can ever come and erase that experience from you. Let that be your assurance. Let that be your time post. Let that be your driving force. Look back to that time. Not to some emotion. Because I'm here to tell you, when you get the Holy Ghost, the emotion is going to come. Let me read this last one. And I'll save the name for last. Okay. So let me start out by saying this. That this world has nothing that some people make that this world is nothing that some people make it out to be. Okay, let me start by saying this: that this world is nothing that some people make it out to be. Nothing. Oh, the devil paints you a pretty picture for a season. What happens when the season's up? What happened when your body is ravished in sin and aching and emphysema and you got cirrhosis of the liver? What happens then? Oh, he painted you a picture for a season. But this world is nothing. Being in the world was one of the most difficult things for me. I was depressed all day, every day. I was never truly happy. I faked a smile every day. I was to the point that I wanted to end it all. I tell you what, it's a low place. It's a low place. Been there. Done that. Got the victory. I'm testimony to you tonight, church. Been there. Done that. In that moment. Depressed all day. 
every day when I can point that devil back to a time that I got the victory. It all started when I got up the age and I realized that my dad was an alcoholic. And how my brother and my sister both left the message. After we went through a bunch of stuff with my dad and I felt like I had no one to talk to. Whenever I was going through a bunch of family stuff. But at family camp one year I went up for prayer and I felt like I got a victory. Within every, But whenever I went home the devil went right back to messing with my mind and my head telling me that. I wasn't saved. He was telling me that. You had to excuse me a minute. Glory. He was telling me that all my worldly friends were going to call me crazy because of the difference that I was trying to make. And so I went right back to doing all the things that I had been doing. So peer pressure is tough. Mom and dad, you may not remember it, but it's real for your young people. It's a spirit, and it's a spirit of oppression. Goes on to say, I've done a lot of things that I'm ashamed of, and even now the devil keeps throwing that in my face. And let me just stop right here and say this. You may have a past, but your past won't have you. I feel like dancing right now. Oh, hallelujah. I've done a lot of things that I'm ashamed of, and even now the devil keeps throwing that in my face. And he keeps telling me, how are you going to explain the difference in yourself to your school people and your friends? But I'm ignoring that lie. Yeah. Casting down imagination. Yeah. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So on Saturday night when everything was going on and they started singing and I was crying because I wanted the Holy Ghost so bad. So I whispered to, them, to my friend that I want the Holy Ghost, but I felt like I couldn't get it because... Well, what the devil's been telling me. So finally, I got out of my seat. I went out front to get, excuse me, let me read this again. I, went out, I finally got out of my seat and went front to get prayed for. And I told Brother Joe that I wanted the Holy Ghost. But the devil keeps telling me that I can't get it. But once I got up there, I felt the Spirit of the Lord like I've never felt it before. And he started praying for me and I just started dancing. And then I fell to the ground. And Uncle Aaron... I'm going to tell you what a team. What a team God has assembled at this church. It's not a one-man ministry, but a team of devil defeaters that God has put together for your benefit, for your benefit, for your benefit, for your kids, for you, for your household situation. God has put a team together to defeat your enemy. We're here to build the wall. We're here to finish the job. And the people had a mind to work. We need your mind to be right in sync with us. We're going to work. We're going to cast out every devil of unbelief. We're going to defeat every enemy. We're going to bring down the strongholds of the enemy. You bring, hey, let me tell you, invite your devil to church Sunday. We will be here. And we will be waiting. Because we have been commissioned. We have been anointed for the task. Yeah. Uncle Larry took a lap on the stage, and when, when he came back, I was on the ground, and he started quoting scripture to me, telling me that I was a daughter of God. And then I got up, and I took off running, and I never felt more free since then. I've never felt more 
free since then. Let me tell you, you may have a past tonight, but that past has no claim on me. Why? Because I'm a son. I'm a daughter. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Devil, you can't hold me. You can't keep me. You can't bend me. You can't break me. I'm a child of God. I've been anointed for this hour. I've been selected. I've been handpicked. I've been chosen for the mission. I'm ready to build the wall. I'm ready to finish the work. I'm ready to usher in the rapture. Katie, you ready? Brother Bam said, don't let it be that I turn a new page. Don't let it be that I try to start a new life. But let it be, I met God. I met God. And from that time, I had peace that surpasses all understanding. This ain't a song about chains. Because our chains are gone. No, sir. Come on, Sister Katie. No. Our chains are gone. They're gone. This ain't a song about chains. Cause my chains are gone. This ain't a song about my past. Cause I'm moving on. No more songs about guilty With words like regret Every melody sounded Like mercy instead This ain't a song about chains Cause my chains are gone I found my freedom in the
Lord. Make that your testimony tonight. I'm the Lord.